just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope uh, everything's going well with you folks. This is going to be the Mike and Ed edition. We have the Rational Boomer Podcast that you hear most nights, and we talk about the different things in the news and in pop culture and those sorts of things. But we also have these podcasts for a compatriot of mine from years gone by, and I sit down and we talk about some of those same things, and we might get some different uh, perspective on it now that we've got another Rational Boomer in the mix. So, Ed, thanks for coming back again. Oh, I'm always glad to be here, Mike. Uh, I've I've really missed uh, interacting with you uh, uh, like we used to every day, uh, pretty much, except the weekend. Yeah, um, go ahead. Well, it was every day. And, you know, that's the one thing when I was doing the traffic on the radio station, you were doing the news or as the host, you know, I'm on every 10 minutes and uh, I'm naturally more a creative guy and doing traffic is not a creative thing. So the opportunity to actually talk to somebody and interact and do these sorts of things was a great joy to me. But of course, uh, management and the administration thought better of it. No, that sounds pretty good, but don't do that. <laughs> so now we have the opportunity. We have no soups. Fuck them all. We're going to talk about what we want to talk about. Absolutely. And uh, like I said it, <laughs> I got it out of the way. Uh, I, know, I noticed in our last podcast, I said the word absolutely about 10,000 times, but that just means I agree with you, Mike. Well, you know, and and the one difference from when we were together on the air is you can say virtually anything you want. Uh, You can swear. I swear frequently, and some people don't like it, but that's unfortunate. That's just me. I figured if I'm going to do this show, I'm going to be authentic. And you can attest to the fact that I have occasion to cuss. On occasion, yes. (laughs) As a matter of fact, somebody once asked me, you know, you never swear. Why is that? And I told him I've trained myself not to because I'm on the radio all the time. And if I say fuck, I'm in big trouble. Right. Um, Obviously, I've gotten past that since I've been uh, retired. But uh, it's still in the back of my mind, I guess. Uh, Somehow I was able to flip on a switch. And I think it had to do with having kids, too, because I... Uh, Mom wouldn't allow me to swear in front of the kids, which didn't work because now they cuss as much as I do and ever did. But (laughs) but when I was on the air, um, I was able to flip the switch and and, and not swear. I never got caught swearing on the air as much as I swear off the air. And a lot of people thought it was funny. From time to time, I'd have people come down and interview me or talk to me while I was on the air. Yeah. So I do my little spiel on the air and then I turn to them and, and say, yeah, so this fucking idiot did this and this. <laughs> and, and then while we're in the conversation, I would say, hold on a second. And then I would come back and go, he's bad on the crosstown. We've got a crash. And, <laughs> and people look at me like, how the fuck do you do that? And it's just, you know, it's not any great talent. It's just doing it over and over and over and over for 27 years. Uh, it's funny you should say that. This morning I'm looking at Twitter and up pops this video from Minneapolis showing this collision on the freeway. And boy, did that take me back. I mean, it was a box truck and a, and a car and a fire and all of that. And I'm thinking, boy, Mike would be having a field day with this. One. 
<laughs> you know, you know, you know, when I was on the air, I, uh, um, I did, uh, I always told this joke because we got a little bit of recognition locally and nationally. There was this big, uh, there was this big, uh, national news magazine that wanted to do something on what we were doing with the traffic reports. And I always said jokingly and inappropriately, I never said it on the air, but I said, we get a plane crash. I'm going to get my first shot on nightline. (laughs) Well, of course that, of course that never happened. One time we're on vacation in Washington, DC of all places just came out of the Senate after watching whatever they were doing at the time. Yep. And we get outside, we're outside the Capitol, and I get a call, and it's my mother-in-law. And she says, Mike, did you hear? I said, did I hear what? The bridge crashed. I go, what? She said, the 35W bridge crashed. I said, no, that's crazy. So then I got off the phone and called the traffic management center. I said, did this really happen? They go, oh, yeah, it's fucking crazy around there. And then I looked at my wife. I go, I'm fucking not on Nightline. I'm in D.C. Well, our little station was the focus of the whole Twin Cities that morning. Uh, Donnie Z, Donnie Z was filling in for you. And uh, I mean, he was on pretty much continuous coverage then from from then on uh, that morning when when it crashed and. We're looking at video and describing what's going on. Uh, there's a bus there with kids in it. Oh, look, they're getting the kids out, that kind of thing. It, it was uh, certainly not fun, but it was a, a whole uh, different had, operation that morning. We didn't play a lot of music. <laughs> no, it had to be pretty exciting. Well, let's get to talking about what we were going to talk about. We could sit and and and, and uh, look back at the past for hours. We could do five, ten shows on that. But you you specifically wanted to talk about the state of education in this country and and I have a lot of opinions on it and clearly you do too what's your what's your biggest concern with public education in this country right now well for me it is down and always has been um the funding of education i've seen it go down and down and down but uh what spurred me to think about it was uh, a friend of mine posted something on Facebook that he had received from the local superintendent of schools. And it was a communication to parents. And he said, recently I've been made aware of a national rumor that has affected Hawkins County schools, namely our middle and high schools. The rumor involves students dressing up as cats, meowing and hissing and requesting litter boxes in the restroom. This is a ridiculous notion. It's just a rumor, and it, it, it goes on from there, but it blew my mind that he felt it was necessary for him to send this communication to parents to tell them, no, we don't have students dressing up as cats and using litter boxes in our restroom. And obviously what this is is a, is a right-wing attempt to uh, tell parents that uh, – or to conflate this with the idea that some students identify as a, a different sex than their or gender than their their birth sex. A, a boy may identify as a girl, a girl may identify as a boy. And uh, so they're doing this ridiculous thing to try to stir people up even more or get that idea in there that uh, identifying 
was something different than what you actually seem to be physically is crazy. And it isn't. It just isn't. There will always be young boys who feel more comfortable dressing and behaving as girls and vice versa. It's been that way uh, since history was recorded, and it will always be that way. But this is just another way to subtly attack the public schools. Uh, there are many other ways to are doing it, too. But this is the one that I checked on this, and this is happening in every state. This rumor is going out to every small district everywhere, and it's being promulgated by who knows some uh, some particular organizations doing it. You know the right wing, and you know why they're doing it. I get the impression that this is kind of uh, setting it up for the old complaint that people had about gay people getting married. Well, if we let gay people get married, then they'll marry their dogs and cats and shit like that. I'm guessing that's the basis for where their mindset is. Obviously it is. And obviously we can say, no, that hasn't happened. Gay marriage has been around or same-sex marriage has been around for several years now. And no one has yet to marry their poodle. No, no. And, you know, frankly, I I was talking to this guy who disliked the whole concept of transgender, and he was really upset about it. And uh, I said, well, I can understand you being upset about that. Uh, And and I knew his wife as well. And I said, so what what do you and uh, Nancy do in the bedroom? You kind of kinky? You doing some crazy shit? What kind of stuff are you into? He goes, what? I said, no, what kind of sexual positions and shit do you do? What what, what are you into? I want to know. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, that's none of your fucking business. I go, my point exactly. What people do in their homes, in their bedrooms, and who they have sex with, it doesn't matter. Ed, I've known you a long time. I have no clue what your sexual proclivities are, nor do you mine. It doesn't nope. matter. It's not an issue for the real world. <laughs> that only matters to whoever you're involved with. But they tell me if you think this is true. I think these Trumplicans and Republicans are absolutely scared to death of transgendered people. Yeah, I think they're, they're scared to death of anything that is different than what they what is now referred to as cis male, cis female, which I, I can't follow all the designations. But I don't even know what that uh, means. A straight person. Okay. That's what we used to call it, but uh, we don't do that anymore because that kind of sets that as the norm. And is it the norm? Maybe there are more straight people than anything else. I don't know. You know, I'd have to, and neither does anyone else, I would assume. But well, um, one thing I've learned in my life is I do what I do and I don't care what other people think. It makes life so much easier if I don't have to worry about what other people think. I just do what I do. Some people will like you. Some people won't like you. It doesn't fucking matter. As long as the family and the dog love you, that's all that really matters. Absolutely. Like, you know, I grew up as a small town Southern boy. I didn't know any gay people. I thought, you know, years later, I found out one of my best friends in high school was gay. Um, Actually, two of them. Um, the guy who was uh, a best man at uh, my first wedding was uh, was gay, didn't know it at the time and so forth, but it didn't matter. I, I became a theater major in school, and uh, um, one thing you want to be is a straight male in a theater department, I'll tell you that. 
but because uh, uh, a lot of the other guys were gay. And uh, after I was uh, around gay people for a while, I realized it didn't make any difference at all. There, there was literally no difference. They had the same aspirations and the same feelings that I did. It's just that they were focused on same sex. I was focused on opposite sex, but it really didn't matter. And then and gradually over time, I just I became an advocate and an ally because people focusing on that began to really rub me the wrong way because it was just a way to discriminate against people. Well, it is. All I, it was. I, I think people in general are naturally prejudiced in the sense that they are not fearful, but uh, suspicious of anybody who's not like them. And that could be the difference between Catholics and Lutherans. That could be the difference between rich and poor people. That could be the difference between tall and short people, skin and skinny and fat people. People have a judgment on anybody that's not like them. That's their own egocentric fucking attitude. But the one thing, one thing people have to understand, or the one thing I've, I've reconciled for myself is that whether you have gay people, straight people, transgendered people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, Native American people, the active word there is people. Right. The, di- the difference between colors, uh, ethnicities, uh, religions is nothing more than you have blonde hair, I have black hair. You have blue eyes. I have green eyes. It's an aesthetic. But under that aesthetic, we're all just fucking people. Exactly. And and, and I just, I, I find it to be uh, reprehensible that they are, they are going after the schools now. You've heard the old thing, follow the money, right? Right. And I think that's what's really going on here. And, and I'm situated in, I'm just going to say, I'm situated in Tennessee, where we have a very right-wing governor. And uh, we touched on this a little bit before, but he's trying to open a bunch of charter schools that are religiously based. And um, the curriculum comes from a, a college in, I believe it's Ohio, uh, Hillsdale, that's very right-wing. And, uh, of course, very much opposed to the 1619 Project or anything like that. And, uh, and and basically white supremacist when you come right down to it. But these charter schools are a magnet for hedge funds because they will put the money in to get them started. And then they double their money in 10 years because wow. there's a huge tax break for investing in charter schools. So that is what's driving this. They want to do away with the, the public schools and privatize literally anything that now we think of as the social safety net. Healthcare, privatize. Prisons, privatize it. Now we're looking at schools. You know, and and in my businesses that I've been involved in and other situations, I've found that uh, hedge funds are really the source of a lot of evil. These are oh, people yes. just trying to flip money. When I was in a business where I was brokering products to other people. Uh, there were people that would jump in and think, well, I could just do a quick flip and we'll just do that. I'll make a lot of money and I'll move on to the next thing. And unfortunately it doesn't work that way, but that's what hedge funds are doing. Uh, they're just trying to flip money, have no concern about whether kids get educated or not. Here's a premise I want to suggest to you and see what you think. Now, 
let me preface this by saying I uh, I don't consider myself a religious person in the in the uh, formal sense. I am a Christian. I believe in God. I say my prayers. I do all of that. Um, but I'm not big on organized religion because basically, to me, it's a bunch of humans um, that are creating clubs to promote their agenda and using religion to do that. And it seems to me that when we are talking about our government, and now we're talking about our schools, which is part of our government, people are using religions to push along their agenda, whatever they're afraid of or whatever they don't like. And uh, to me, that's perverting the whole concept of religion completely. Oh, I agree, agree with you 100%. And here where I said, of course, it's pervasive, the very, the very most extreme uh, fundamentalist strain of religion is what dominates here. And it, it is very closely linked with politics now, and it's becoming even more linked every day. Uh, as a matter of fact, the person who represents me in Congress um, her whole campaign last time was she started off with a picture of a cross talking about Jesus, and her next one was her with a shotgun slung over her shoulder as if she were going to go hunting, which is probably the first time she'd ever held a, a shotgun. Right, right. But and and then the next one was a flag. She never debated. All she did was say, "I'm for Jesus. I'm for the flag. I'm for guns." And she was elected handily. Well, and that's the sad thing about the state of our politics. It's all about uh, dog whistles or or clickbait, and that's how they're getting elected. And unfortunately, you've got to put that on the general public as far as being at fault, because they're the ones falling for this shit. They're the ones believing this shit. They don't dig any deeper than a headline, and they go, well, that must be true, so I'm voting for this guy. Well, that's it. And and they tend to not. Um, I was actually having a discussion online with someone just yesterday. Do these people read the Bible? My position was, no, they don't, because oh. the King, King James Version is their preferred text. And there's no way they understand it. I was an actor. I can read Shakespeare. I can make sense of it. It's the same exact thing. The King James Version has exactly the same structure, the same words, everything as Shakespeare. So if you can't read Shakespeare, you can't read the Bible. So what do they do? They rely on these preachers who uh, are uh, called to come out, and they can't read it either. What they do is parrot what they've heard others say over their lifetime. It may be, some of it may be accurate so far as what's actually in the book, Others uh, just wing it, <laughs> and you, know that, uh, you, you see a lot of that. That's why I like having you on the show. You say you can read and understand Shakespeare, but on my side of the coin, I, can, I can't I can read or comprehend a fucking Ikea manual. I can't put that <laughs> shit together for the life of me. So Ed's a more alerted, more sophisticated guy. I'm more the uh, <laughs> down-in-the-dirty-streets guy. Um I'm really concerned about education in this country. And, and we have, you and I have an insight because we both work for a public school system. My yes. wife was a teacher for 30 years. I saw how teachers are treated, how they're paid. And uh, the one interesting thing I saw, and maybe this is just Minnesota, but maybe not. If you look at the state taxes you pay and you see where your money is going when you pay those taxes, in Minnesota at least, 
at least half of what you pay in taxes goes to education. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'm all about supporting education. But the unfortunate thing is that money goes to education, but most of it doesn't trickle down to the teachers and or the students. I look at public schools, at least in this town, as kind of a microcosm of government. They collect a lot of money. And the money goes elsewhere. It doesn't come down to the middle class or the teachers in the case of uh, of education. And therein lies the problem. But education has a big problem now. For the longest time, they've had all these people wanting to become teachers. They've got a line of teachers coming in the door. And they would famously say, well, if you don't want to do the job, I got 10 people in line. Well, that's not the case anymore. People yeah. understand that being a teacher isn't the greatest thing in the world isn't the easiest thing in the world because they have no support from administration. You know, in the in the Minneapolis public schools, for example, when my wife started teaching, they were the highest paid, they were the highest paid teachers in the state. You know where they are now? Probably bottomed out. Number 17. Yeah. So the money isn't trickling down. It isn't going to our teachers. It isn't going to our kids. So our kids are going to be less educated. And it's going to be harder to get teachers. And it's going to be like the rest of the world. They treated teachers badly. They paid them badly. Now, when you can't get people to come and be employed and actually teach in your district, now you're going to have to kick up the money. You're going to have to entice them. When if you would have just treated them properly in the first place, you would never go through that crisis. But it's going to be a crisis. There isn't enough teachers to teach in our schools. Right. I, I also see, and I, I saw this in Minneapolis, I see it here, and and that is um, teachers have to pick up the slack for a, the failures of a lot of the rest of society. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, for example, they're called upon to be psychologists. I mean, they're called upon to uh, look out for child welfare. I, I used to see kids coming to school in the dead of a Minnesota winter wearing a T-shirt and shorts. Right, exactly. they didn't have a coat. And right. the, the, the teachers are the, the line that says, hey, this kid needs a coat. He needs boots. Um, uh, this girl's going home to a house that's empty or uh, in a neighborhood where she's at risk just walking down the street and so forth. And there was a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, mismanagement that I saw, and and I have to say this from both sides. I'm a huge union person, but I saw union abuses in that because they couldn't really they had a no strike clause, for example. Now I know that must have gone by the wayside because you just had a strike there, right? Right. But, but uh, because they couldn't really have leverage to get better pay and so forth they would let them do things like uh, bid on the jobs and so forth and right. what that would mean was that the newest teachers without any seniority to bid would wind up in the inner city schools like the ones that that i worked in right and exactly you you would see a huge turnover because they would come in and they would be confronted with all of these challenges and and, and they would leave or they would, if they did get a little seniority, then they would bid out and then someone new would come in. So you didn't have, uh, and there were exceptions. There were teachers who would not work anywhere else. Right. Really dedicated people who really made a difference, but they were rare. Mostly you had a revolving door. 
of teachers in, teachers out, teachers in, teachers out. Right. That hurt, that hurt everybody there. And, and I fault the union for that, for not saying, no, this has got to stop. I also saw, because while we were there, we saw constant influxes of immigrants, first Vietnamese, and then uh, Hmong, and then uh, um, Ethiopian and uh, other African Somali. populations, Somali, that, that came in. And those were carefully placed at individual schools. Right. You could see that happening. No matter where they lived, the immigrants, no matter where they lived in Minneapolis, they'd somehow all wind up at the same school. Right. Uh, they they never understand. they never Go end ahead. up in the in the schools where the wealthy people lived, like no. in the southwest part of the district or whatever. They never did. Nope. You did not see them there. So there was I could see that going on too, and that was at the district level and so forth. I went to every school in the district pretty much on a regular basis, and I could walk in the door and tell you this school is working or this school isn't. And you know how I knew? If there was trash in the hallway, I knew the school was a lost cause. Right, right. If, if I walked in and everything was pristine, I knew somebody was doing their job and making sure that happened. And if it was quiet, if I walked through the school and I didn't hear screaming and yelling and doors banging, I knew it was working. Well, it was a problem for, you know, I know with my wife, when she was teaching all these years, um, the administration supported the teachers less and less. There were situations. My wife was a a good teacher. She was a tough teacher, but they liked her because she was fair. And uh, she was one of those teachers you had where you liked her a lot, but you didn't fuck around because you knew you were going to pay the price. But she's had situations, and I've heard stories from other teachers where they'll say, they'll see a kid slap another kid. The teacher wants to punish that kid. Then she gets a call from the parent, and the parent says, my son said he didn't do it, so he didn't do it. The teacher would say, well, I saw him do it. And she said, no, he would never do that. And that's where the argument was. It's like arguing with the Trumplefuck. It doesn't matter what the truth is or what's right. It's a matter of what they say. And then the administration doesn't back them up, doesn't suspend the kid, doesn't punish the kid. So the kid learns nothing. The unfortunate thing is when he gets in the real world and he slaps somebody, he'll either get his ass kicked or get put in jail. And mom can't stop that. So these people, these kids are being trained the wrong way. They're not being prepared for society, and that's the whole point of fucking teaching. Absolutely, and I agree with you. I, you know, I know Cindy was a good teacher, and I know she was tough. And this is purely anecdotal, but the only teachers I learned from were the tough ones. There were teachers that I had who were not tough, who were right. friendly. I learned nothing. I joked around. I didn't do the work. The teachers that expected me to do the work made me pony up and held me accountable, I learned, and I also respected them, and I still respect them. Well, the sad thing is I, I, I see education coming to a crisis level with all these people trying to make it easier for kids to misbehave and not to be taught and not to learn, and the fact that teachers now, the ones that are coming out, millennials or Gen Zs or whatever, They aren't like the people that came out when we were young. Most people who wanted to be teachers said, I want to be there for 30 years. I want to put in my life. I want to dedicate it to teaching. I'll be there 30 years. Now kids are coming out and say, I'll put in a couple, three years, then I'll get a real job. And again, like you said, that that diminishes the effectiveness 
of education. And I'm concerned about how it's going to end up for our kids. We're in a bad state now. I'm disappointed by how many fucking stupid people we have in this country with all the Trump fucks and such. I can only see it getting worse if we're not willing to do what we need to do to teach these kids. Exactly. Now, also, look at Virginia. We just had a governor's race. Now, I don't know if you know this about Virginia, but you could only be a governor for one term. Really? You can't. You can't. Right. You can't be reelected. So you're a governor for four years and then two more people run against each other to replace you. That's a good uh, idea. Had, well, actually, I think it probably is. We had uh, Terry McAuliffe, who, who worked with the Clintons and so forth, running for governor against right. this other guy, Greg. I think it's Greg Youngkin. Youngkin, Youngkin right. Yeah, and he's like a hedge fund guy, right? He's and, a hedge fund uh, guy and a closet Trumpy. Exactly. Now, they were having a debate, and um, Terry McAuliffe came out and said, and it was about what we're talking about here, parental uh, involvement in the schools, and Terry McAuliffe made the statement, I don't want parents telling people what to teach, and they took that, and that defeated him. That's what right. kept him from being governor. He was he was right. leading up until that point, and uh, I agree with him. It's the thing he shouldn't have said it because they used it against him so effectively. But most parents anymore are not qualified um, to deal with what the teacher with the curriculum with what the number one things have changed so much since I was in high school. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I could not sit down and help a kid with math now. Right. I could I could not sit down and help a kid with English because they do it differently. The math is so. different and, and the, they have whole language and all of these different things. You know, they went through phonetics and whole language and all these different curriculum things that, you know, I know the old grammar. That's what I know. Well, you know why that is. You've got all these people trying to make money off of education. So they take old ideas, make it convoluted, package it, and then sell it to a district for a million dollars. They've been doing that for decades, taking the same shit. When, you know, my wife was using phonetics for people because the kids got it and it worked. But then it came a point where, oh, you can't use that anymore. We've got this new special plan that's hard to fucking understand that isn't effective. Again, it goes back to money and not education. Right. And the kids go home. They're trying to do their homework. Dad, help me. And dad wants to do uh, do the math the old way. And the kid's going, no, dad, that's not right. That doesn't work. You have to do this. This is base three, not base 10. And the dad's going, <laughs> what? What? What are all these zeros and ones? I don't understand. You know, I, I watch kids how they figure out, out math, math uh, problems. And I'm going... Why are we making it harder? I mean, the way we did it was simple, and we understand it because that's always the way we did it. But doesn't it make sense to make it as simple as you possibly can without being so fucking convoluted? Let me tell you a real quick anecdote. In the Army, I was a linguist. I was a Korean linguist. I was in language school for a year uh, before I ever went out into the field. But um, one of my teachers was a Korean gentleman who, when in Korea, had worked in a commercial college, and uh, he knew how to use an abacus. Oh, okay. And and one of the guys, this was when uh, calculators were just first coming out, 
Right. You know, I mean, you pay three or four hundred dollars for a calculator. By the time I got back to the States from Korea, they were giving them away at gas stations. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, but, but people were going to PX, shelling out big money for this calculator. And uh, the teacher was, was sitting there watching this kid with the calculator. And uh, he asked to see how the kid were, did it and so forth. And he said, let's have a contest. He got it out as abacus. And he had people calling out things like uh, multiply 4,229 by 6,422. You know, uh, the guy with the calculator would start punching it in. And the uh, the teacher would take the abacus and go, slap, 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 slap. The answer is, and he could, <laughs> he could, he could do it within seconds with the right. abacus, whereas right. the calculator, I mean, the calculator could not keep up with him because the person programming the calculator couldn't keep up with him. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and I think they do try to make uh, learning a little tougher than it should be. Look, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, talk about more shit. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, we are back and uh, we're talking about education. We'll get off into some other things too. But one thing I wanted to mention to you and see what you think about this. We keep hearing this worrisome cry from the Republicans about CRT, critical race theory, <laughs> and how we can't have it in our schools and and how we can't teach kids this because it'll make them racist or whatever the fucking bullshit they're talking about. What I understand about critical race theory, it's a theory or something like a theory that's taught on college levels. It's not being taught in schools. It's not being taught in grade schools, high schools, middle schools, none of that shit. It's just they made up a problem and they're using it to try to get votes. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's, it's properly defined as a methodology in law school, which is a way of looking at something to say, Let's look at it from the perspective is that, number one, race doesn't exist. We're all the same species. Uh, there are minor variations in the way we look, but that doesn't make us completely different creatures. We have the same cognitive abilities. We have, we're all the same. It's just that we look a little bit different. Take, for example, if you've ever seen someone who's really Irish with red hair and freckles, right? stack them up against, uh, say, me. Um, they are as different from me as uh, a, a black friend of mine. Aesthetically. Aesthetically. But that's all it is. We're all three the same thing. We're all homo sapiens, and we can, we can interbreed, reproduce, all of that. Um, we're not like horses and donkeys that can reproduce, but they produce a, a mule that can't. Right, right. right. But we, uh, we should make that with Trumplicans, make it where 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 they can re- reproduce, but the offspring cannot reproduce, and we can wipe this Trumplifuck race out of the fucking world. 
Exactly. But what the people who are screaming about CRT, and this is totally manufactured by a guy named Christopher Rofu, that's R-O-F-U, just Google him, and you can find out all you need to know about him and what his next step is. But uh, he's the one who got this going and uh, trying to get people fired up that this was being taught. It isn't. It never has been. It never will be. But he wants to conflate it with any sort of, uh, of teaching about slavery or Jim Crow. He wants that all banned. Right. You, you see. And by calling it CRT, a kid comes home and says, gee, mom, I didn't know they had breeding farms for black people when there were slaves. The, the parent loses his mind because uh, he didn't know that either, for one thing. Right, right. But, but suddenly they're thinking CRT, CRT. Well, we, we've kind of had this, this thing going on as far as not exposing our true history since the beginning of time. There was no name put to it, but if we look at the history we were taught in school, there were a lot of things we weren't taught. A lot of things that happened in history, they didn't tell us, and that may be associated with racism or whatever the fuck. Uh, You know, on The Rational Boomer, I'm known for breaking things down pretty simply. And I do that because I think a lot of people don't understand uh, all of what they're hearing because there's so much coming from all sides. And let me break down race for you in my mind. Granted, it's simple, (laughs) and there might be people upset about it. But I love dogs, okay? And I've always had lab dogs, Labrador retrievers. My brother loves dogs, and he has golden retrievers. Now, these two dogs look vastly different. I mean, they look totally different. But having spent time with my dogs, my Labradors, and spending a lot of time with my brother's golden retrievers, you know what? They're the same fucking dog, same temperament, same personality, same uh, same uh, kinds of habits and those sorts of things. So we can say that a golden retriever in a lab at the bottom line are fucking dogs. And yeah, they are no exactly. different. None is better than the other. Oh, my brother and I might argue about labs over retrievers, but they're the same dog. And when it comes to race, it's the same thing. You know, people who are racist either want to diminish people of other races or they want to act like they're helping the races, uh, to mask their racism, you know? And then the fact of the matter is, in my mind, we don't, you know, commit racism, obviously, for obvious reasons. But for these people that want to be the white saviors, that's just as problematic. I think there's a simple answer to this all. Let's just treat everybody fucking equal. If If a person of color is a nice person, I'll welcome them. If they're an asshole, I'll tell them to fuck off. It has nothing to do with their race. It has to do with the content of their character, as Martin Luther King said. Right. Well, when I first moved back here, I had a discussion with a guy I went to school with. He was talking about racial trouble, and he said, you know, we've never really had a racial problem here. (laughs) And I said, no, the white people haven't. Think back. When you and I were in grade school, no black people worked in any of the stores here. Not only didn't they work there, they weren't welcome as customers. Uh, the, the one grocery store that I later worked at in high school was the one place that they were welcome in the whole town. Um, the only place they could work was as handy people and nannies and cooks right. and so forth for the rich people. They weren't welcomed in the factories except as janitors. 
Uh, the one the one exception was the steam plant because that was TVA, which was federal, which meant they had to have a certain percentage, even at that time, a certain percentage of uh, minority employees. But you can bet they were the ones shoveling the coal. They weren't the ones sitting behind the desk. Absolutely. So, and these people, these people who say we don't have a problem with race, there, there, there's a, there's a, something they need to add to that. There's no problem with waste in our community as long as the people of color stay in their place and stay away from us and know their role and understand that they are lesser than. Yeah, that's a race problem in itself. Exactly, and that's where white privilege comes in, and people lose their minds around here when I say that. Well, I, nobody ever gave me anything. I'm right. not privileged. I'm just a poor person. I said, yeah, that's right. Nobody gave you anything, but nobody took anything away just because of the color of your skin. Exactly. And of course, they have no comeback for that. Right. And, you know, the, the thing that I find so troubling is you're talking about white supremacy and, and, and uh, the Trump and they're trying to force that ideology into our government and, as you said, our schools. Here, here, here's my thought process. The Republicans, the Trump fucks, these people, these people are desperate. They are scared. They see the old white men dying off. They're seeing more people of color in this country coming into this country. They realize that they're losing a grip on power. And so they are just flailing, doing everything they can with voter suppression or uh, indoctrinating these racist tendencies in schools and churches in the government in hopes that they can game the system so that even though they don't have the majority anymore, they can still maintain power, which is kind of what we saw in uh, the South during the Civil War and during slavery days. It's these small, continually getting smaller group wanting to maintain power and they're scared to fucking death. Exactly. It's fear. And uh, and it's also a, a fundamental miscalculation of numbers. They see these what they think are hordes of other people coming in that are going to replace them. You've heard uh, they will not replace us and so forth. Right. My, my county, for example, I had someone say, well, pretty soon we'll be the minority. And I so had what? the point. I had to point out, though, that I looked it up. There are 37,000 white people in my county, less than 1,000 black people, and even fewer Hispanic. So uh, it's going to be a while before we're overwhelmed here, but I think that is the fear. And I think at base, it's they're afraid that if ever people of color had more numbers than white people, they would treat us the way we treated them. <laughs> exactly. And people have said to me, I had somebody, a uh, commenter on TikTok, say to me, aren't you afraid if the white people aren't the majority anymore? Aren't you afraid of what might happen? And I said, I'm really not. And they said, why aren't you? And I said, because I've treated people of color the way they should be treated, as equals. Maybe you're afraid because you spent your time treating them badly and you're worried about retribution. And I said, you know what? You fucking should be because of the way you've behaved up to this point when they get the upper hand, as he would say in his mind. I don't think people of color are looking at getting the upper hand. They're looking at trying to make this country better. And and of course, it's not all people of color. That's that that's the one thing I've always said, too. It's not that I say all people of color are good. All white people are bad. That's not the case. We all have our bad people. We all have our good people. 
I don't care about color. I just don't want the bad people anywhere near power, whether they be black or white or gay or whatever the fuck they are. If they're bad, I want them gone. Exactly. And I've known bad people of every stripe and I've known almost saints of every stripe as well. Absolutely. Uh, there is no, uh, there's no lock on character in any particular race or, or subgenre that you want to come up with. But uh, there is certainly no, uh, no lock on virtue either. Well, racism to me is like a political strategy. I mean, we see it with, with Congress. You know, they're saying things regarding racism. It's not called racism when they say it, but it is racism. And they're doing it not necessarily because they believe it. They're doing it because they think it will garner them votes. It will make them money. It will give them power. And that's, that's a sad state. We're, to, we're looking at that in the schools, in the, in the government, uh, in Congress. People are only concerned about making money and gaining power. They don't understand their real role, for instance, with Congress or in government. Their job is to take care of this country and to take care of us. Yet they seem to ignore that to enrich themselves in any way they possibly can come up with. It's to distract uh, the gullible and make them feel like uh, these people are the only ones who can hold off the ravenous hordes that are coming for them. While, while they're looking over there, waiting for the hordes to show up, I'm being very careful to enunciate, <laughs> they're waiting for those hordes to show up. These guys have their hands in their pockets, and well, they, they don't realize that. Well, and a perfect example, and, and here, here's some facts that I've told before on, on the podcast. Greg Abbott in Texas is doing this fucked up thing on the border. He's making every truck get checked. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're getting backups for miles and miles and miles. You're affecting the supply chain and, 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 uh, and people are just having their loads of produce spoil while in the backup. And it's all because he wants to put across that agenda that this crazy horde of of rapists and 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 murderers and sex traffickers are coming across the border he's just trying to push along that agenda but while he's doing that he's screwing over the citizens of the state of texas and the country for that matter because a lot of this stuff isn't making it in the country they are cutting the throats of the people that vote for them just to prove this agenda. And then I look at the polls in Texas about the governor's race. Greg Abbott, who's a fucking complete monster, and uh, Beto O'Rourke. And it's close. How the fuck is it close? Well, because he appeals to the worst in people. And um, as you point out, uh, his fellow Republican, who's the uh, Secretary of Commerce, is, is begging him to stop this truck business because it's impacting the entire state. Uh, and um, nobody likes to point this out, but we allow thousands and thousands of workers into the United States every year on a limited basis to harvest the crops. And even when I was in Minnesota, the nearest Burger King to me, the entire kitchen staff was uh, Hispanic, except for the, the, the lead lady who right. was uh, who was Minnesotan, and I asked her, how come your staff is all Hispanic? And she said, oh, they're all from El Salvador. They bring them up here for six months at a time, and then they have to go back for a couple of weeks, and then, then they come back. 
Um, where's and I, I can't remember the name of the staffing company, but you would know it if I said it. Right. Uh, be, being from Minneapolis, they do all the Burger Kings. Right. Well, you know, the Republicans keep trying to push this agenda that Joe Biden's left the borders open. They're just pouring in unfettered. They can do whatever they want. All these criminals coming through. I heard a fact. And it's contrary to what the Republicans are trying to tell us. Now, when in, in 2020 and 2021, under Trump and then under Biden, we had a similar amount of people coming to the border trying to get into this country. In 2021, the Biden administration allowed 36% of those people to get into try to apply for asylum and go to trial, 36%. And granted, that seems like a lot of people when we're talking about one to two million people at the border every year. But did you know that Donald Trump in 2020 had a similar amount of people coming to the border, but he allowed in 56% of the people. So the fact of the matter is, it isn't Joe Biden that letting everybody in. The fact of the matter is Donald Trump let more fucking people in, and he did it for four years. Exactly. And most of those people will not be given asylum. They'll be sent back. Right. Um, both under Trump and under Biden. What most people don't realize is that most of the illegal immigration takes place with people flying in or sailing in with a visa, a limited visa, which then they overstay and disappear and stay. Right. That's right. how most illegal immigrants get here. They don't come across the, you know, the the Rio Grande, most of those people are caught. Some do, of course. Some are able to. And these, mostly these people are in desperation. Now, people that are coming in visas and stuff have other reasons for coming in. And they aren't desperate because they afforded a they could afford a plane flight and they were coming here and they had a plan. We were going to disappear and we we're going to do something else. I don't know what it is. But you're right. The ones coming across the border aren't the problem. Well, I mean, if if you are hiring uh, someone to clean your house in California, they're probably a legal immigrant who came in on a visitor's visa and stayed. Maybe they had family here already. They came on in a visitor's visa. If you're uh, getting a roof put on at your house in, in Minnesota or in Tennessee, for that matter, um, those Hispanic guys up on the roof in the middle of the summer are probably illegal. Let me tell you a story about this. This is, this is interesting. I had my roof done. And they were all Hispanic folks, immigrants probably. Did a wonderful job, very respectful, did a nice job, okay? <laughs> the guy across the street from me was a known racist, a known Trumplefuck. Mm -hmm. And he needed his roof done, too. So somebody came to him and said, hey, we'll do your roof. He says, but I don't want any of those Mexicans up there. I don't want a Mexican on my house. I want white people. <laughs> so he got the white people on top of his roof. They were fucking drinking beer. They got in fights on the roof. Guys were throwing hammers at other guys on the ground. It was a fucking mess. And he was embarrassed. I still don't think he would hire Mexican workers because of his racism, but it just goes to show. Hire the people that are the best for the job. If they happen to be immigrants, they're not even illegal. Like you say, they bring them into this country for a period of six months, and then they can go. They're doing it perfectly legally. But yes. We, we, we constantly hear the Republicans say, well, they're taking all our jobs. I don't see why that's an issue now. We've got millions and millions and millions of jobs we can't even fucking fill. Well, we this, need is the, 
We need this those jobs filled in order to be productive. So let the fuckers in. Exactly. I, I mean, that's what we used to do. I mean, look at Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the Dakotas. How did we populate that? Well, number one, there were Native Americans there already, but we right. wanted to manifest destiny. So we brought in all these people from Norway and Sweden and Germany and so forth, and we gave them the land. Right. Spread right. out, spread out, form towns, make big farms. And now you have the Midwest, the breadbasket of the nation and so forth. But that's because we let those people in. And they all came in pretty much about the same time and uh, settled in. We've got half this country is nothing but, but open range. We've it got is. The room. We've got the room. All we need is the will because, believe me, they have the uh, – uh, they, uh, they would be inspired uh, to, to survive. You know, we could help them out a little. We helped out the, the Swedes and Norwegians a little bit, you know. But uh, Exactly. You know, and, and, and the fact of the matter is that I'd rather bring in uh, illegal productive people than uh, keep these insurrectionist, treasonous, racist, misogynistic pieces of shit. They really are the scourge of this country. They are the source of the problems we are seeing today these radical right people that are doing damage to our government, damage to our schools, damage to uh, religion. It's, you know, it's, it's really, you know, everybody I talk to says, well, I'm worried Donald Trump's going to run in 2024. Ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. There's too much that's going to be exposed. And frankly, the Republicans don't want him on the ticket. He's too much of a problem for them. They want somebody different. And who that'll be, I don't know. But Donald Trump's not going to run again. The fact of the matter is Donald Trump supports the Trumplicans. They're shrinking. They're shrinking. And you can see it in the rallies that Donald Trump has. He had one recently expecting twenty five to 30,000 people, got 5,000 people. That was the, in North Carolina or Georgia. Which one was it? I think it was there Georgia. Was one, I think it was yeah, in there Georgia. Was, there was one in North Carolina after that that they didn't even – I didn't even know what happened till afterward. They didn't right. publicize it at all. And it was even less than the one in Georgia. Well, and that's all Donald Trump could do is have fucking rallies. He couldn't govern. He couldn't make decisions. He couldn't do anything. I mean, like, like with COVID, I always blame him for not doing anything for COVID. And he didn't. He made a joke of it. He said it was a hoax. He did nothing. And that's why it turned into the, the big problem that it was. Now a million people have died of COVID. But then he'll try to say, well, I got the uh, vaccines, in spite of the fact all his buddies don't like the vaccines, but he got the vaccines. But what did he do? Donald Trump's all about the show, but he doesn't put in the work. We got the vaccines, but only a couple million were sent out. When Joe Biden came in, we got them all sent out because he understood there's a job to this and you have to be on top of it and work the system. All he was worried about is appearances. And that's the failing of Donald Trump, the Republicans, and all the Trump fucks. They're about show and not about the work. Absolutely. Bill Gates and Dolly Parton did more to get the vaccines than Donald Trump did by a long shot. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. But they want to tell us that these guys are some evil empire looking to try to kill us. Guess what? <laughs> Did I tell you this last time we talked? I don't know if we've talked since then. I got my fourth shot, my second booster. And guess what? I'm fine. And I didn't even get it as much for my safety because I was concerned about my safety. I did it yeah. specifically to piss off Trumplefucks. 
Well, I'm getting mine next week. It'll be my fourth as well. And I, I have, uh, uh, I'm not going to say exactly, but there's someone I know who's been in the hospital for two months now, struggling on a ventilator, who wasn't vaccinated, same he, age. He wasn't vaccinated? Right. Okay. Because, because I assume he thought that he would be okay based on what he had heard. And, you know, as much as these people might be our friends, it's hard to feel sorry for them. The answer is right there, and it's simple. It's that you instead choose to believe some fucking conspiracy theory that isn't true. Now, I will say this, Ed. I did get the inoculation, the vaccine, the fourth one. I feel fine. Didn't get sick. Felt a little woozy right afterwards, but that went away quickly after I ate. But I did notice that I frequently have two black uh, SUVs following me everywhere I go. So I don't know what that's about. Maybe they just, maybe they just listen to the rational boomer and they want to meet me. I I don't fucking know. That must be it. That's that's, that's gotta be it. Um, So not now that you're retired down there, are you just pretty much laying low? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, I have a fairly active presence on Twitter and so forth, but uh, I, um, and occasionally I, I can be baited into, uh, you know, saying something, but I tend <laughs> to keep it on the, on the individual level worth, uh, rather than, uh, you know, writing, <laughs> writing letters to the editor and so forth, because uh, there are crazy people here, just like there are in Minnesota. I might like, I would point out. There are crazy things, and I'll get some people that are are maybe friends or quasi friends that will say, uh, "Tell my wife or tell somebody else you should tell Mike to calm down. He could get in trouble. He could get hurt." And I tell them, "Well, I'm not a fucking afraid of that. If you want to try to do that, by all means, fine, give it a shot." But I try to explain to my wife, and I try to explain to other people when they do that, they're not trying to worry about my safety. They're trying to input some kind of uncertainty in my mind so they can get me to stop talking about the shit I don't want them to talk. They don't want me to talk about. I get that on TikTok a lot. Well, they can't argue the point. So they'll say, why don't you just shut up? This guy's crazy. This guy's old. And I don't really give a fuck what they say. In fact, I think it's kind of funny. But you will get the people. There are people that are Trumplifucks and there are people that are normal liberal Democrats, but they're the people in between. And I called, I got in trouble for this one time before, but they're quasi trample fucks. They're the people that have the mindset, but will say to you, Oh, I don't like Donald Trump. He's crazy, but that's not true. They follow Donald Trump. They just know enough not to say it in front of certain people. They'll talk about it all the time with people who agree with them. But when they're in normal company, they want to hide it. So instead, they'll come and they'll say, he shouldn't do that. One of, one of my brother's friends said, oh, he swears too much. Really, motherfucker? I know you. You swear more than I do. Don't tell me how to do my fucking show. Down here, I try to keep a little bit of a low profile, but there are all kinds of online groups yeah. that are packed full of liberals. And uh, I just... One guy I know, he walks his dog by my house. I had a conversation with him yesterday, and um, I told him, you know, he he brought up the uh, constitutional sanctuary amendment that the uh, local um, commissioners 
put into effect, it's worthless. It's a piece of paper that basically says that uh, no local authorities can enforce any law that's passed by the United States government that contradicts the Constitution. Of course, they're looking at things like Second Amendment, and that sort of thing. It, it, it's right. worthless, right? But at the end of it, it says something that people who don't agree with us might be happier somewhere else. Because <laughs> we're, we're having a lot of influx of people, uh, people like me who are moving back and, and the people who are moving from other parts of the country to get away from high taxes or the weather or whatever it may be. And they're scared these people are going to change things, and, and they probably will. But it, as I pointed out to this gentleman, I'm from here. Yeah. I spent the first quarter of my life here. I know where the bodies are buried. I know who did what. I know what your daddy did. I know what your granddaddy did. Don't mess with me. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, and that's a good thing. I, one thing I've found, and my wife and I have different attitudes about this. I'm very open about what I believe and what I say. And because I've taken the shock off of it, it didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, people understand who I am, what I think, and what I'm willing to say, and how formidable I might be if they want to engage me in an argument. So typically, they just stay away from me and don't talk to me or are angry with me or what have you. And that works out fine. And it goes along the same lines of, you know, how people always have these little secrets. There's stuff I don't want people to know because it might make me look bad. I've always been one to come out and say the things, the, 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 the scars and, 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 and all the bad things. Like when I was 29 years old and I was working at KBEM, I ended up getting testicular cancer and I had to have surgery for it. And I had uh, radiation and I'm fine now, but it was a scary time. And people would say, why would you want to talk about it? Why, why wouldn't I talk about it? Well, because mm-hmm. it's kind of a sexual thing and it questions your masculinity. Fuck it does. I had another kid after I had surgery and gone through cancer. But what I find by coming out and being an open book is that nobody has anything over you. Nobody can fucking say, well, if you do this, I'm going to tell this. Oh, you're going to tell that? Fuck it. I'll tell it. And so I think people are too concerned about other people's perception. The moment you can say to yourself, I don't care what people think, it's an amazingly freeing moment in time. And, and the other thing I would add is that there are lots of really wonderful people around here. Absolutely. Some of them, uh, some of them we don't agree on some things, but we agree, uh, agree on most things that it's better to be nice people to the people than to be mean. It, right. It's better to help out people who need a hand up if you can. It, it, it's great to give money to humane society or, uh, um, any number of charities and so forth. My, Starving my, my children, wife. whatever. Yeah, exactly. And we can all agree on that. But let's let's find the places where we agree, and maybe we can continue to discuss the places where we disagree. But the, once you have a relationship with somebody, it's a lot easier to find that common ground than if you're yelling at each other. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, I ha- I have a. I have people that I know think differently than me, but we just don't talk on those topics and we can be perfectly friendly and reminisce about history and all that sort of thing. I guess we've got to know where, where these, these opinions come into play because like when we were, when we were young and working together, how often did we talk about politics? Fucking never. 
It was yeah. just a thing that was there, and we were trying to live our lives. Yeah, the only time it would enter in was when it impacted the job, like why we weren't getting enough money from this agency or something. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, that kind of thing. Certainly, we would take a look at that. But uh, by and large, I didn't care how you voted. You didn't care how I voted, nor did I know. I, I assumed, but I didn't know. And you did, we didn't know each other's sexual proclivities either. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't care. No, so last I thing I don't. wanted to know, <laughs> I still don't. All right. We're coming to the end here. I need to wrap things up for the rational boomer podcast. Ed, thanks for joining us again. Ed's going to be here frequently. Uh, we enjoy having him here because it offers a different insight than what I portray. We're on the same line, but it's different and it's good to hear another voice and another mindset when we start talking about some of these things. So thanks for coming back, Ed. We'll be coming back soon. All righty. Thanks for having me, Mike. And just so everybody knows, neither one of us is a furry and we don't use a litter box. <laughs> well, you don't know that. Maybe I do. Maybe, well, I, maybe I like to dress up like Yogi Bear. Maybe I... <laughs> you know, I can actually see that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's a distinct possibility. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Rational Boomer podcast, spending your time with us. If you have questions or comments or complaints or recipes, by all means, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Have yourself a great day. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.